Welcome to Rugged Theology, where we talk about church planting, theology, and drink coffee. Welcome to Rugged Theology. I am Adam Diamond, your host, and today I have two wonderful, you know, co-workers with me. I have one of my good buddies, Mr. David Drover. Hey, everybody. And another, you no know, good buddy, Stephen Da. Yo. Yeah, I had to think about that. You sounded a little bit more. He had, he had, he, you're a little apprehensive about <laughs> yeah. buddy. I get it. I are, get are, it. are we friends, Steve? <laughs> Uh, apparently not. I don't know, man. <laughs> not after I tell now. <laughs> I thought we were, but you know, things change. I guess. <laughs> All right, I'll work on my relationship with Steve uh, after this, and we will update you on the next podcast. Not really, but. <laughs> All right, guys. So today we are going to have a interesting conversation. It's a topic we haven't touched on yet, which is good. Um, but we are going to talk about the Trinity, and not Trinity Bay. No, no. Trinity Bay. Wait, what? So Trinity Bay is a nice place. Oh, it's gorgeous. We're not talking about Trinity Bay. No, but you you got ready for the wrong you know, podcast. Uh oh. <laughs> maybe maybe we should have actually re- recorded this on location in Trinity. Hmm. It would uh, give us more holy power. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Maybe we could get video and you know put it on the internet and people want to sign up just to see the exotic locales where we talk about the Trinity at Trinity at Trinity and it's yeah it does. Not look anything like three and one, <laughs> and it, yeah, it has absolutely no real reference to nothing to do with so. the Godhead. All right, guys, um, so let's get started. Um, and we can have a nice, lighthearted conversation, but help me, you know, work this out because some people might not understand a, a lighthearted fully. discussion of one of the most difficult parts of Christian theology. Absolutely, okay, just as long I as mean, this is called as long as we're clear about this, <laughs> rugged theology. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's a rugged, pleasant conversation, <laughs> a rugged, pleasant, lighthearted conversation about difficult theology. It's late in the afternoon, so, so many contradictions, but this is good. This goes, I mean, this will this will help serve our conversation, I think, about the Trinity. So, help me before I go any further about <laughs> what is the Trinity. Well, I, I guess the simplest way of talking about it would be the Trinity is uh, what we see revealed in Scripture as God. Uh, how God reveals himself is that he is not merely a, a, a monistic thing, but is in fact three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Ho- Father is God, the Holy Spirit is God, the Son is God. All are completely God. Mm-hmm. All are completely glorious as God. Mm-hmm. But they are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. There are three different persons. They're three persons, but one in essence. Right. And being. Right. And we have to be careful there because the word pre- person there, pretty much the old uh, the old people who came up with the ideas of the Trinity, basically, they use the word person as a fill-in for, we don't know what to call this, mm-hmm. but there are three persons in one God. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Of course, you, you see this in Scripture, you know, uh, there are the famous part passages, like, for example, at the baptism of Jesus, you see the Father saying that this is my Son whom I, in whom I am well pleased. Yep. You see the Son getting baptized, and you see the Holy Spirit coming down in bodily form as a dove mm-hmm. on Jesus. Mm-hmm. Also in the Great Commission, you see yep. in the name of, and how does God name himself? I mean, we talked about the name of God in another episode, but the Father, the Son, yeah. the Holy Spirit. So right. I think it's another really easy one. I mean... 
it's a lot more than that, but I think those are two yeah. pretty pretty common ones. So do we see the word you know Trinity in the Bible? Nope. Uh, not unless you're talking about a study Bible. But. Mm. So then, you know, how do we know that we can, you know, believe in what we say the Trinity, other than this one reference, you know, to Father and Son and Spirit being the same place and Jesus saying? Well, that's one of the many places mm-hmm. where we see Father, Son, and mm-hmm. Holy Spirit brought together, but. Uh, the word Trinity doesn't appear in Scripture any more than, uh, I don't know, uh, other doctrinal statements that, uh, well, that would appear, in, that we would believe mm. appear in Scripture any more than that. Um, like complementarianism. Complementarianism. We're not going to see that Egalitarianism, yep. if, regardless of which point you are on that spectrum, you're one of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Calvinism and Arminianism do not appear in Scripture as named things. Pentecostalism. Right. They have Pentecost. But John no Calvin pen. didn't exist in... The nope. time of the Bible? Nope. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking, <laughs> but... <laughs> da, da, da. Yes. Yeah, but uh, but there is, I think there's a good distinction to make here too, like, basically what we're going to end up talking about is the doctrine of the Trinity, and mm-hmm. this doctrine, it was formed in the early church um, to talk about, you know, who God is, and it, in a lot of ways, the doctrine of the Trinity was formulated after, a, like, centuries of people thinking deeply about who God is, looking at Scripture, mm-hmm. um, seeing the different texts and the way it describes God, but also um, a lot of what we would have in terms of the creeds and confessional statements, they're actually direct, like, refutations of um, different heresies and beliefs that I think we'll get into a little bit later in the podcast, but they were kind of like, the doctrine of the Trinity was formulated to combat um, false beliefs mm-hmm. about who God is, yeah. Um, as we see, you know, in Scripture, these these inklings of the Trinity itself, even though the word is not there. And I mean, there. to be clear, that's kind of one of the strange things, strange ways heresy helps the church, in the fact that uh, the these crazy things that people will sometimes teach as Christian doctrine, uh, then the church goes back and rec- looks through the Word of God and thinks about it and prays about it and realizes that's crazy and comes up with a better formulation mm-hmm. of the truth. Now. Uh, a formulation of the truth doesn't necessarily mean that it's fully comprehensible, if you know what I mean. Um, the doctrine of the Trinity is a perfect example. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's very easy to apprehend the truth of the Trinity from Scripture. You can see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yep. You can see them operating differently. You can see them as separable in person, but also all asserted as God. And... Uh, all asserted as God independently, but yet there is only one God. Mm-hmm. So we see all that in Scripture. That's easy for us to see in Scripture, but how does that work together specifically within the Godhead? Uh, I have to admit, I, I that's mm-hmm. beyond my pay grade. And, I mean, to be fair, too, we should also say, just to quickly add on to that, like that the Son is not the Father, the Father is not the Son, the Spirit Precisely. is not the Son. Mm-hmm. Like, they are different, right. mm-hmm. um, but they're also the same. So it's... A little confusing. <laughs> and un- unlike my uh, same in some sense is different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Unlike my introduction there, where there was some contradiction, yeah. there is no contradiction within the Godhead. No. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, that's going to be a little bit difficult. People who are less likely to believe the doctrine of the Trinity are going to usually use the Trinity as one of the places where they're going to say, "Well, this this doesn't really make much sense." Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, unfortunately, Christians wanting to make more sense of it, come up with all sorts of terrible analogies to yes. explain it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, that'll be the meatier part of this podcast, I think. But uh, So, like, what other reasons is it hard? Why is it hard to understand or to you know, comprehend the Trinity? 
well because it's talking about God. I mean, the, the fact is there is there is something we can understand about when we say the Trinity. Mm-hmm. The doctrine of the Trinity is actually fairly comprehensible. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you'll you can go online and see people debating specific minutia of the doctrine of the Trinity fairly easily. Yep. The problem is the doctrine of the Trinity isn't the Trinity. Uh, the doctrine of the Trinity is a reflection and expression of the Trinity. Mm. So it's like man mm-hmm. trying to basically explain who yeah. God is and how God operates. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we 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 have this expo- the the problem with with other things. I mean, think about light. Is it a particle? Is it a wave? Well, the answer is yes. Um, mm-hmm. No, I don't like that. No. <laughs> but I mean, we as trying to come up with understandings of it, mm-hmm. we have ways of coming up to the understanding, but we. We also have difficulties in getting it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, is gravity a curvature in space-time, or is it the attraction between bodies of mass? Well, kind of both and kind of neither. Or is it what makes you feel so heavy in the morning? A little both. Uh, that, it's definitely <laughs> that. Yeah, and I mean, in, even just thinking about it very simply, um, I mean, like you said, the, the doctrine of the Trinity is us trying to describe God, and well... I mean, we're never going to really be able to know God fully um, because he's just right. that big and that like there's there's this element to where we, we won't know God completely. Um, well, so it's a little difficult to. And I mean, it's important to recognize a couple of other facets of the being of God that we have seen in Scripture. Like God is infinitely glorious. And we mean that technically speaking. Mm-hmm. We don't just mean that as a bunch of words we, co- we put together. Mm-hmm. It's literally infinite. It right. doesn't end. <laughs> right. And so if it's infinite, the finite cannot fully comprehend the infinite by definition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, it's for those people listening, it's, you know, we're people, we have a limited time span. We don't exist forever. We have an absolute beginning and an end. And then we're trying to understand a being who, which we just got a, a personal being, but we're trying to understand a being who has, who has always existed and will always exist. Uh, and that's only te- that's only the temporal form of his infinitude. Mm-hmm. I mean, for example, the infinitude of glory, of power, of those are all things. Uh, I have limits on my power. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. And by the way, when we say he's infinitely existed, we're talking the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Right. Just throwing that out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's kind of like if I were to try and explain you know some sort of metaphysics to my four year old daughter. Right. She just can't grasp it right now. Yep. Right. And not that we'll ever be able to grasp God, but, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of the same thing. Like there's things outside of her capability of understanding. Well, and I mean, I had family members who were very good at mathematics mm-hmm. and they could have tried to explain to me at three years old, some of the deeper parts of pure mathematics. That's great. I, maybe someday I could have understood it, but uh, actually... If you, even if you explain to it mean it to me now, mm. it's still if, not going to get it. If there's a being who is infinite, it would likely take an infinite amount of time to understand said being. Right, and we don't have infin- infinity mm. because, and we know we don't have infinity because we had a beginning. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's it's okay to not fully comprehend the Trinity, but we can understand said doctrine about the Trinity and you know accept that. I like the idea of saying that we can apprehend the Trinity and say correct things about the Trinity. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that we comprehend the Trinity. Yeah, we may not understand it fully to completion, but 
right. we can have understanding. That mm -hmm. doesn't mean there's no understanding to be had either. There is understanding that we can right. have. Mm -hmm. uh, so, Steve, I believe you have a copy of one of the creeds here. What you read out for us, like what did the early... Well, it's a fairly long one, uh, but... Uh, it's actually like over 300 words because I just quoted it in the paper. <laughs> yeah, so. It's called the Athanasian Creed, mm -hmm. but I mean, I, I can give you a, full, uh, a couple of basic points yeah, that yeah, sure. are kind of important here. Uh, and of course, uh, just starting at the third point that he has here. Now, this is the Catholic faith, that we worship one God in Trinity and the Trinity in unity, neither confounding their persons nor dividing their essence. And he's going to go on a whole bunch of things, like for the person of the Father is a distinct person, the person of the Son is another, and that of the Holy Spirit is still another. But the divinity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is one. The glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. And he's going to go on and on with those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're not, but he'll say later uh, in point 12, there are not three uncreated or immeasurable beings, but there is one uncreated and immeasurable being, God. Yep. But there are three, there are three persons to God, mm -hmm. and I mean there are all sorts of interesting. Uh, that so the Catholic religion will say would forbids us to say that we there are three gods or lords. The Father was neither made nor created nor begotten from anyone, and then of course the here's where the distinction comes in within Athanasius's creed. The Son was neither made nor created, but was begotten from the Father alone. The Holy Spirit was neither made nor created nor begotten. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. And so that's the only real distinction you see in the Athanasian Creed that's clearly uh, comprehensible. The Father is uncreated, unbegotten. Mm -hmm. The Son is, unbe uh, is uh, uh, uncreated, but begotten of the Father. And the Spirit proceeds from both the Father and the Son. Mm -hmm. uh, as to how that functions properly, um, Athanasius doesn't have a lot to say. He's got a lot of things to say about what wrong understandings are of the Trinity, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but uh, not uh, not a heck of a lot to say about, you know, trying to tease out all of the re implications of what he has just said there, just that this is what the truth is. Mm -hmm. And again, that nuance, that, that bit of truth that's in there is because he was actually speaking against Arianism, right. um, which I don't know if we'll get into this podcast, but it is really interesting for any of you who want to do a bit more study of, of the early church history yeah. and how this kind of came to be. Yeah, because mm -hmm. Arianism was a pretty common heresy early in the church, and mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So uh, just you know, a bit of a teaser for anyone. Um, we we will also do some false teachings of uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, so in that one, I think we'll go over Arianism. Yeah, it deals more so with the Son. Uh, but let's, let's you know after that, let's we've got a few minutes left here. You know, halfway through the podcast. Um, so let's let's look at some of those heresies. So I think. You know, breaking down what a wrong belief is mm -hmm. and why it's wrong will help some of our listeners understand, you know, why it's important to believe and affirm to yeah. proper doctrine of the Trinity. And, of course, this is going to be easy because, honestly, if you come up with almost any analogy for the Trinity, mm -hmm. you're, you're actually espousing a heresy. Yeah, and, and also, too, I think we should be clear as well. Like, I, I think sometimes the word heresy gets thrown out a fair bit, but... Maybe just to take the quick second to say that, you know, this is actually a doctrine that I think most all of us around the table would say is necessary in order to be really a Christian. I would like agree. if you yes. basically if if you believe something that's not the doctrine of the Trinity, then there's likely you're not really a Christian. Now that's uh, not to say that you have to be able to uh, state the Trinity. You have to be able to but mm. if you deny the truth of the Trinity once it's been correctly taught to you, mm -hmm. I don't think you're a Christian. Yeah. And again, that's not I mean, it might be uh, very quickly off topic, but 
the idea here again is that it's a, if you don't believe in the doctrine of the Trinity, then do you really believe in the same God? Exactly. And if you don't believe in the same God, well, then we right. believe in two different gods, which is, you know, fundamentally different. But anyways, yeah, sorry, which is Adam, why it's so important. Quick, quick so point. let's start with a, uh, an easy one. Um, tritheism. Uh, so very quickly, tritheism confesses the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as three independent divine beings, three separate gods who share the same substance. So, so this is kind of like the analogy where you have God as the family. Mm. There's, you know, like God the Father, God the Mother, and God the Child. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they, they've got similar similarities, but they are independent, independent entities. Yeah, they're not dependent on each other. Um, completely separate functions, roles, which more importantly, three wills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, three di- independent, distinct wills. Yeah, they're not unified in their in their essence. They're they're three different essences. They're three different beings right. altogether. Yeah, I don't know about you, Dave, but I do not always have the same will as my wife. Really? Man, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> nope, I can I can agree with that. <laughs> yeah, and of course that's kind of important because scripturally we we would say that you know you and your wife are one flesh and you know, mm-hmm. you're together as one as in some sense as one person. But this is not the similar. This is not an analogy for the Godhead. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I mean, what you some of the things you read out there from the Athanasian Creed uh, was that you know they are of the, the persons are of the same essence, right? Not to be divided. Um, tritheism divides that into three distinct gods, right? And God tells us in His Word that the you know, the Lord your God is one, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, there's going to be a couple of very important problems that would come about if we were polytheistic instead mm-hmm. of monotheistic. Um, there's a few inst- interesting ideas about, well, w- which one then is the ground of all reality? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would actually be what we would call the true God. Uh, which, which, which one's will is actually definitive of morality? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, all of them, and which which one? Ones. Which one do I pray to? Which one do I worship? Right, which and one? and of course you end up in all sorts of weirdness. Not to mention the final weirdness that if uh, you'd actually have a situation where uh, God the Son is uh, propitiating our sins to God the Father, and those are two different people, and so you've got a God that is wholly uh, angry with us, with being propitiated by a Son who is wholly accepting of us, which, and, and I mean, this is when, you know, people who want to reject Christianity often do have this kind of false understanding of what the Trinity looks like. No, it's not divine child abuse because, well, they're not actually three beings. Mm-hmm. It is three persons in one of the same essence of the same will. Yeah. Right. Jesus isn't just drawing the short end or the short straw right. and got called down and now has to suffer. It's it's a willing plan of mm-hmm. the entire Godhead. Yes. All right. So that's the that was an easy one. You know, we obviously do not worship three distinct gods. Well, uh, to be let's be careful there. There are people who would actually think that we do. Yeah, that's fair. That's uh-huh. fair. Yeah, I mean, but you're a- wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, the average Unitarian is going to have trouble with us stating this mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and I mean, I I have run into Muslims who still would say that we as Christians are mm. tritheistic. Yeah, that's true. I have talked to Muslims as well who, you know, have thought that we worship three separate gods, and yeah. you know, have you know how do you, how do you work that out, right? So I'm trying to explain the Trinity to them and right. how that functions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So if you're listening, we do not believe we do not you know believe tritheism in three separate gods. 
Um, and then there's also partialism. So partialism taught that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together are components of the one God. Um, this believes that each of the persons of the Trinity is only a part of God, only becoming fully God when they come together. So kind of like, as we were joking before this, a semi-captain planet with our powers combined, we become the Godhead. Mm-hmm. Or wouldn't it like a clover? Isn't yeah. that another one? That oh, yeah, the three-leaf clover. Yeah, three-leaf clover. Or, you know, the first season of Voltron. Mm-hmm. Voltron, Power Rangers. Yeah. Uh, I think Zoids is another one, maybe. Like anything that you know, yeah. combines different parts to the make Constructed Cons or the Transformers. Yeah. yeah. Did yeah. we mention that one? Do, Transformers don't go together, though, do they? Uh, Constructed Cons do. Okay. Okay. <laughs> they, they make one big. I didn't know that, Steve, just say it by... I mean, yes, I did. (laughs) (laughs) This just became the Rugged Theology Nerdcast. But anyway, I actually really enjoyed... I'm actually quite proud of my nerd cred. Thank you. Listen, I love Captain Planet growing up, man. Uh, But yeah, so this is partialism. So the idea that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are not God, are not each God, but are just simply parts of God. So what's wrong with believing in that? Well, there'd be a couple of things wrong with it. First of all, uh, none of the individual segments of the Trinity thus would be fully divine in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. So that would mean that God didn't come to be uh, be one of us. Part of God came to o- be. Only part of God died on the cross. Right. Mm-hmm. As if, uh, and, and, and I mean, we can get into all sorts of strange things because we also don't believe that the Father died on the cross. We believe the Son died on the cross. Mm-hmm. But we don't believe that that means that you know there's a limitation to the penalty paid on the cross for our sins in Jesus Christ. Yeah, I imagine yeah. this would put a limit on each person of the Godhead. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Jesus wouldn't have been... Well, I guess, yeah, none of the Godhead would be all of God, but I think, and, and correct me too, if this, this nuance might be a little bit off or something like that, right. but um, I think another argument you could make, and I've used it, or I've, I've heard it for other heresies but i think it applies to this one as well if the son was only partly god mm-hmm. or you know subordinate to god of some way then he couldn't really accurately mediate our relationship with god that's correct because the son needs to be fully god and both fully man in order to really mediate that relationship and, and do that so if if he can't actually mediate the relationship because he's not fully god mm then we don't really have a viable gospel. Well, that's a pretty big deal. Well, and Um, I mean, even from the purely basic thing, then biblically too, God the Son, Jesus, would have lied to us. mm -hmm. I mean, when uh, when Thomas asks him, you know, show us the Father and it's enough, and Jesus says, have I been with you so long, Thomas, and and you're not seeing it. Mm -hmm. It, There is a sense in which Mm -hmm. by seeing Christ, you see God. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and, and I mean, just to, sorry, Adam, just one more quick thing. I mean, I'm about to preach this in First John, but at the end of the letter in verse 20, um, just before the final verse, he says, you know, talking about Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. Yep. Right. So, I mean, if you want a scriptural basis for why he can't be part God, right. I mean, John doesn't say he's one third God. He says he is the true mm-hmm. God. And of course, there's a final problem, and, and this is kind of a modification of an ancient philosophical thing that you see in a guy named Plato. Uh, it's called the Euthyphro Dilemma, whereby, you know, people would say, does God does God do something because it's good 
or does is it good because God does it? Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean the response would be well, it, because it's if it's God does it because it's good, then there's something outside of God called goodness. Then he's not really God, right? But on the other end, if uh, he does if whatever he does is good, then it makes goodness arbitrary, mm-hmm. which fits if you've got multiple gods. Mm. It makes sense that way. Mm-hmm. But the answer that we as Christians would have to that is that since we are monotheists and we believe in one God, God is good, the definition of good. He is definitionally good. So it's not arbitrary because what he does is in is fully in concert with his character. Mm. And yeah. because he's the only one, yeah, right? So like if there, there is one being that defines goodness, there's not multiple, there's one. Right. And that's very important as well with mm. that, yeah. And I imagine, you know, praying to a God who is partial... You know, if I'm praying to the Father, you know, it wouldn't the Father then be limited to what prayers he could and could not answer? Same with the Son, yes. Holy Spirit, because you're only getting a part of God each time. We also get in weird situations where we might, uh, where, um, and this is kind of inside baseball, where segments of what we call the economic trinity, the way God has revealed himself mm-hmm. as trinity, would be then uh, actually segments of showing which one is a superior and inferior God. Mm-hmm. As if the you know the son would be a lesser god than God the Father, or it would be very easy to get in a subordinationism, yeah, kind of and thinking yeah, this way, yeah, that kind of subordinationism mm-hmm. where we've got a separation of the wills and a sub uh, a subjugation of two segments of the Godhead to the third mm-hmm. segment of the Godhead, instead of being co-equal in majesty and glory, mm-hmm. etc. Yeah. Like which is what we would believe. Yep. All right, guys, so one last one here before we finish up, and uh, I think this is a fun one, modalism. Uh, so this teaches that three persons of the Trinity are different modes of the Godhead. Uh, so basically it boils down to that God can only operate as Father, Son, or Holy Spirit at one time. So if God is operating as the Father, he cannot in, at the same time be the Son or the Holy yeah. Spirit. I, so, I like the way you used boils down to, because mm-hmm. I think that's actually one of the analogies you'll run into. God is like water. In one mode, he's water. Mm-hmm. In another, he's ice. And in another, he's gas. Mm-hmm. If you boil him. <laughs> yeah. Let's not boil our God. <laughs> but of course, yeah. you, you did well, get to the number one problem there. Mm-hmm. You've got an instance where uh, there's actually one God that's, well, operating in individual segments at different times. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And and I think one of the so one of the other issues with this is I mean essentially which by the way is a temporal limitation on God. Yeah, well I mean essentially if God is going to be the Father and then change to be the Son, and then change to be the Spirit, then we can't really know who God is eternally mm-hmm. because He's different and mm-hmm. like the knowledge that that we have of God can't really be true knowledge of who God is eternally and that's mm-hmm. a, that's a big problem. Yeah. But I mean also going back to you, I think you kind of referenced it and talking about one of the other ones, Steve, a little bit, is there's issues, there's gospel issues with this, because if you're really going to unpack the atonement and what that looks like, if there was no Father and no Spirit when Jesus died on the cross, then whose wrath was being poured out? What was that kind of... It's a bit, it's very fuzzy and not clear. Well, and I mean, even not more than not just fuzzy, it seems to be completely the opposite of what we see Mm. functioning at the cross, the wrath of God being poured out on his son. Mm -hmm. And you also have, so I also have questions about 
if this if God can operate as one at a time, then essentially all of God died on the cross. Yep. So how in the world did God come back to life? Well, and and, and of course that would be an and of course that would also interestingly enough have God ceasing to exist for a while. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if God ceases to exist, everything else stops. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's a combination of Colossians and Hebrews that say things like that. The sun like upholds all. Oh, I don't know the exact wording. Uh, upholds all things by the word of his power. Yeah, exactly. So if that ceases to exist, then don't all things cease to exist? You would think. Um, so, so again, uh, uh, the, the, another analogy sometimes people would use is, um, for example, I exist as a son, a pastor, and a brother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, depending on the relations I'm in, then I I'm I'm actually functioning in these different modes, which can actually have situations where they t- temporarily I'm actually all three of them at the same time. You know, like my mom's over there, so I'm her son, and my brother's over on the other side of the room. I'm his brother, and I'm a pastor, so you know that's. But even then, the problem is going to be that I am a unitary thing, not a not. Uh, three persons that are that are interacting in, in mm-hmm. any way shape or form yeah and again going back to the bible i mean i think one very clear difficulty with this view is jesus baptism mm-hmm. how do people explain the idea of that the son or the spirit came as a dove the, like the father spoke mm-hmm. the son was baptized like it's a pretty if he was only one of these things how do there seem to be three and, and there's also issues, um, I mean, even in creation, you have the Spirit of God hovering over the surface mm-hmm. of the earth, which is void. The Word. Um, you have, you know, God speaking into creation, uh, creating through Christ, and then, you know, God saying, let us create, you know, man in our image. Yep. You have John saying, you know, in his beginning of his gospel, you know, the Word was, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so like, how do you get around all of these things? Because there are distinctions, right. but it is still one God. And of course, direct things that Jesus stated, mm-hmm. like yep. uh, the Father sent me, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Mm-hmm. In order to have that, the Father would have had to have sent him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not the Father became me, and uh, the Father. You, you should rejoice that I'm going to my Father, because then we will send the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting to note that when I read out the Athanasian Creed, it's not just some arbitrary thing Athanasius came up with. He was reading Scripture mm-hmm. and expressing what he thought Scripture said. Mm-hmm. And how does Jesus pray to the Father if the Father is not existent at that time? Right. And of course, there are there are all sorts of weird, interesting answers you can come up with there. Mm-hmm. But it looks to me like Scripture actually teaches the trinity mm-hmm. which which again it, it's if you're listening to this and you're like it's still hard to wrap my head around it's good yeah. because you know again we're trying to define as best we can an infinite being who does exist in three persons but is one in essence right who is one in glory one in majesty uh and we just don't have anything to compare that to right um so and if we did that would be a bit of a problem because then we'd have something that's you know a positively useful analogy for God. Mm-hmm. I mean, we want, I, I want a God that I can't fully understand or explain. Otherwise, he's not really God because I can fully know everything about him. And he's not an infinite God. Yeah. Well, I mean, to paraphrase what uh, uh, an atheist guy said on a movie I saw once, if if you could always, why would you worship a God if you can conceive of a better God? Mm-hmm. And I would say that 
the God we see in Scripture is not, you can conceive no greater God than this one. And that's one of the reasons that you can see him as in Trinity. Amen. All right, guys, that's, that's great. Um, I think we covered a lot of ground there um, very briefly, but we covered a lot of things here. Uh, I hope this served you well and that you were able to you know, at least see the importance of the Trinitarian doctrine, uh, again, what it means to apprehend the Trinity, not necessarily comprehend it, and just affirm what we believe about God and why it's important. You know, why is it important that there's a distinction between the persons of the Trinity, mm-hmm. why it's not three separate gods, why it can't just be a part of God? You know, there, there are so many different things. And again, these were men who, and probably some women, who were just trying to explain who God was, but we got it wrong a whole lot of times, and we just come to this conclusion that this is who God is, and this is who we affirm through Scripture who God is. Um, so I hope this has served you well. Look forward again to probably our next episode where we talk about some more Trinitarian heresies, but more in relation to who Jesus is, to who the Son is. Uh, again, catch us again next time, next week at Rugged Theology. You have been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is a podcast of Mile One Mission. If you'd like to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland, please visit us at www.mileonemission.ca.